0: You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen.
1: Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with author, speaker, trainer, Anthony Casablanca. Anthony is a co-author of the book, The Dying Art of Leadership. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking with Anthony about how leaders can, and why they should, help grieving and emotionally traumatized employees excel at work. I'm really excited to hear his thoughts on this important topic. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal.
1: Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to workplace perspective Anthony Casablanca
2: Well hi Teresa thanks so much for having me on the show it's my privilege it's my privilege.
1: I'm super excited I think this is a really really interesting topic but before we get started and I get distracted why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Sure sure so spent um, spent 31 years in various leadership roles over uh, uh, up until 2015 when I when I ultimately retired. Uh, throughout those years, um, those leadership roles included senior positions, right? So the last decade or so, I was vice president of human resources and the vice president of supply chain and a president of, a, of an operating company. And all through those years, I constantly engaged or consistently engaged with people whose lives and life stories would just stop me in my tracks and just amaze me uh, what they were dealing with. And I realized that, that um, you know, as part of my leadership responsibility or part of the responsibilities of a leader is to understand those things and, and take those things into consideration as they lead and actually provide avenues for people to talk about those things. Um, and so over the course of my leadership, I constantly sort of continued to develop my ability to show respect for people and, and so forth. Uh, and I'm gonna go off track just a little bit here because my brother is a co-author. And so he's he spent his time in funeral service. And so he's dealing with emotionally traumatized and grieving people on a daily basis, hundreds of them a year. In fact, maybe even thousands of them a year. And so uh, a couple of years ago after I retired, we decided that you know there's nothing available to leaders in this space. And we've both had experiences that we thought we could share. Uh, and so we came together, and we wrote the book, *The Dying Art of Leadership*. And we started a training company called the uh, called Grief Leaders, which is really sort of a one of a kind company in that we're the only leadership training company that sole focus is around helping leaders gain the the confidence and skills required to to help grieving employees, emotionally traumatized employees, excel at work. So that's sort of a quick little synopsis of 31 years of history.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that briefness. But I think it's interesting um, when you talk about grieving or traumatized employees, I think the dying art of leadership and, you know, your background and all that leads, to people, leads people, I think, to believe that you're simply talking about those that are grieving over a particular loss. But it's more than that, right? You're talking about employees who are not only grieving, but they have experienced trauma in that regard. So can you can you tell us exactly sort of what what you what that encompasses? Or when you say grieving employees, what are you talking about?
2: Sure. It's a that's a great question, Teresa. We 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 spend a fair amount of time in our book and on our leadership training programs getting leaders. one of the one of the critical points that we want leaders to walk away from our training with is that grief is not just the death of a loved one. Any emotionally traumatic event that is significant enough to cause the person to feel that their reality is being altered is enough to trigger them, is enough to trigger a grief response in them. And so when you broaden it to that perspective, things like divorce and a significant uh, illness diagnosis of either the individual or a family member Opioid addiction, um, you know, the list kind of goes on and on and on, including, and oftentimes this gets overlooked, including a company's own initiatives Mm -hmm. will cause employees to enter the stages of grief. And oftentimes, in that regard, their grieving, in quotes, gets misconstrued or gets perceived as a resistance to change, when in reality, it's not. They're just going through the stages of grief. So we're talking about something much broader than just the loss of a loved one. That's certainly a piece of it, but anything that alters a person's sense of reality can cause them to, grief if, to, to grieve if it's significant enough. And it's, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, it's, studies have shown, have estimated that this costs U.S. companies $75 billion a year in lost productivity.
3: Wow, that's um, huge.
2: It is huge. And that those same studies would indicate that up to one in four people are showing up to work right now today, in some stage of grief. So it is huge. It's, it's huge. And it is largely an unaddressed portion of leadership that, you know, organizations tend to think that, you know, that's, that's, that's stuff that happens outside of work. So you know, we shouldn't shouldn't deal with it and we should just sort of suck it up. And if it is something that's being driven by work, get over it because that's what we get paid to do, right? And the reality is that's not how it really works. And if you leave it unaddressed, you will pay more than your fair share in lost productivity.
1: Well, that's I, I really think that's interesting. I, I want to go back to to two things you said. One, the the grief response, of so the stages of grief, I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I want to focus a little bit on these company processes because I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're talking about the grief response, can you tell us what you mean by that? What do you, what does that entail?
2: Yeah. In a, wor- so, in a
1: workplace context, of course.
2: Yeah. So, so the and I think if i if I'm misinterpreting your question, please let me know and, and I'll, I'll rethink my answer here. But when you, when a person enters the stages of grief, right? We're talking about the classical denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance stages of grief, right? Grief is, you can't turn it off, right? You can't check it at the door. You can't leave it at home. And with the way life is today, people are working from home. So it's even more complicated, right? Um, And so, so you can't turn it off. It impacts what you do at work. You become distracted. Um, you become careless uh, because you're distracted. You become lethargic, right? You don't really want to be doing what you're doing, depending on how emotional the event is. Uh, I can tell you when our son was diagnosed with cancer two years ago, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was go to work. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I was retired and was able to spend time with him and help him through the treatments. and all of those things to help him stay productive. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was going to work every day with that hanging over his head and showing up mm-hmm. and, and you know, dealing with the treatments and the side effects. And you just can't leave that stuff outside of the work environment. And oftentimes, leaders do not recognize what's going on. What they see is performance is suffering, mm-hmm. and they address the performance problem. And they never really try to understand what's going on and what's behind that performance problem. And when you do that, unfortunately, that just makes the, that just compounds the problem, right? That makes the grief right. even more complex because now the person right. feels their job is in jeopardy. <clears throat> absolutely. And so when we talk about that, that's what we're, that's what we're really talking about. Did that? Yeah, did absolutely. Yeah, question? that's,
1: that's okay. what I was talking about. That, that okay. sort of aspect. What I think is, because I think that's important to note, I think, and that's why it, that's where I connect the leadership issue.
2: Right.
1: Because, you know, there's all kinds of things about, you know, accommodating uh, employees who have issues and need time off to treat whatever it might be, If it's mm-hmm. you know, right, if it's something that needs to be accommodated. But these are things that I think that, I think that leadership tends to shy away from having anything to do with those kinds of conversations because they're afraid of the answer. So I always counsel employees, you know, you don't want to talk about the details, don't talk about what's, you know, it's. I see something, that I recognize this red flag behavior, something's going on, like performance is going down, you're distracted, I think you're a little, you know. So what do you need and how can we provide it? Is, you know, is, is the employer a proper response? That's all you really have to say, but so many people are afraid to do that. So they ignore the conversation altogether, unless it's right. something obvious that the employee's like, you know, had an accident or I gotta have surgery, I need the time off, so I think that's really interesting. But this idea of the company processes, or I think that's how you said it, but steps that the company takes bringing on this grieving process. I think that's really interesting. I used to work for, um, it used to be the MGM Grand Hotel in Reno. Yes. Big, you know, big to do. And so even this was years after that, you had employees still walking around saying, boy, when this was the MGM Grand, it was this. And the same thing, I worked at Harrah's, and it was all about, well, when Bill Harrah was alive, it was this way. Yeah. And I'm thinking about now, it's like, yeah, that is great. It's like they never got over it.
2: (laughs) Right. They did not. They did not. And actually, every time those hotels change hands, that will be a trigger for them, and they will relive it all over again.
1: I just think that's. that never even occurred to me. I just thought, I did the same thing. I'm like, oh, get over it.
2: (laughs) Right, right.
1: Like it's it's new, it's a new process. Get into
2: this century, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) So so let me give you a real example, right? Um, What's one of those things that I learned from that impacted us and the path we're on now and writing the book. I mean, I had a, um, when I was in human resources, I had the assignment of shutting down a plant in the Northeast, 192 people. And fortunately, I was working for a very, aggressive, progressive human resource leader who who innately got this, right? He this is this is who he was as an individual. So I learned a great deal from him. So the organization wanted to just like announce it, not announce till we were ready to close the plant and you know let's 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 watch the costs and all those kinds of things. A Warren and, Act. Yeah exactly right <laughs> and and our myself and this HR leader said, no, that's not how we're going to treat our people. That's not how we're going to treat our people. We're going to give them a year's notice. We're Mm -hmm. going to, we're going to do what's right by them from a benefits perspective. We will pay them retention bonuses. We will provide them without placement. We're going to do all kinds of things. And Oh, by the way, Anthony, me, is going to travel up there every week. We plotted 100, and we were going to tell everybody within 24 hours in person in their native language wow. about what their benefits were going to be. So we that knew they understood, and there were seven languages spoken in the plant. Wow. And so we did all of this, and I my head was spinning because I was like, how are we going to get through 192 people in 24 hours? That's crazy. We did it. And we plotted all 192 people on the graph that it was actually contained in our book. And my role was to fly up there every week and identify, based on that graph, the people who were likely to be most impacted and in the, whose reality was going to be changed the most significantly. And make sure that we focused on them and helped them through this. And it was such a beautiful way to transition the organization to the plant. And we had 2,300 other people outside of that plant who were watching how we did this. Yeah, And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, Fortunately, all 192 people either had a job or retired from the organization when we were done. And people think, well, you know, that was really nice That must've been expensive. Well, you know, maybe, but that plant hit every single monthly safety goal, productivity goal, revenue goal, every goal we had right up until the last employee left the building. So from a business perspective, whatever it cost us was far outweighed by the business results. There was no sabotage. There was no shutdown, right? There was nobody getting hurt. Um, But people were grieving. And one of the things that I learned was when we announced it, people who had been through a plant shutdown before brought their plant shutdown, previous plant Um, shutdown up and was like, Yep. This is unbelievable. I didn't think I'd ever have, right? They were It was a visceral reaction to the announcement. But those same people became great champions for us because they were able to say, let me tell you what happened to me five years ago. (laughs) and this company does not have to do what they're doing and so we all should be really grateful that they're treating us this way and they became great stabilizers in the process
1: i think so. that is absolutely amazing because i always talk about we're big believers you know about <clears throat> it's how you treat the employees mm-hmm. it's how you manage the situation you can have difficult conversations and you can have traumatic events in the workplace yep it's how you handle it and that far outweighs you know those people weren't running out to attorneys to say well there are they following the Warren act are they doing what they're supposed to are they doing all these things because you've already answered all those questions and you've already been mindful of that for whatever reason and i i think it it's absolutely amazing and it did probably help those people you know to deal with their past trauma and to sort of minimize what they were going through at the time was awesome story I I want to, I see we're at at our halfway, so we're going to take a quick break. we come back, more with Anthony. Stay with us. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back.
3: The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmeen, who was...
2: Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach.
3: Or if that resume was from someone who
2: worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day.
3: We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council.
1: If you enjoyed today's show, do How this. How do you continue to share predictable revenue? Like us. In an increasingly Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It sure means a lot to us, and it ensures that more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Anthony Casablanca about the importance of recognizing the special challenges facing grieving workers. Anthony, you refer to the to grief leadership as one of the most awkward leadership challenges. <laughs> I thought that was great. Tell me more about why you why you term it that way.
2: Sure, um, you know because it is right. It's it's uh, it's one of the most awkward uncomfortable, emotional pieces of leadership. Uh, And it's because our culture has not done a very good job of conditioning us um, to this, right? We've all probably run into somebody in the grocery store who, you know, they've got something going on in their lives for, you know, whatever it is, something truly emotionally traumatic for them. And you think, Oh my gosh! I hope they didn't see me because I don't want to talk to them. I don't know what to say to them, mm-hmm. and so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna walk the store backwards in the hope that I don't actually you know have to run into them. And, and frankly, I'm guilty of that myself, even today, even having written the book and doing the leadership training. Um, you know, it, it it's very uncomfortable, and it's because our culture as an, as a nation we don't we don't deal well with this, right? We're sort of a hey, get over it. Life's going to be better, right? We have all kinds of excuses for why things happen and should have happened and how things are always going to be better. You'll learn from this and all those other kinds of things, right? Leaders are never exposed to this in training of any kind, right? This is not taught in any business school. This is not taught by any leadership companies until now. Um, It's just been an overlooked part of, of leadership. And it's because we've so narrowly defined grief in the past, right? It's It's been defined as the loss of a loved one. Right. a very obvious thing, right? And it's so much broader than that. And then organizations really don't have processes in place to deal with, with an emotionally traumatized employee. Uh, and frankly, you know, the more high performance an organization you portray yourself as, uh, regardless of how the leaders the C-suite leaders want the organization to behave. The culture has probably sent a message that if somebody raises their hand and says, Hey, I'm struggling, that's perceived as a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to haunt them at another, at another time in their career. Right. And so for all of those reasons, leaders just avoid this. Right. And it is very awkward. I admit that. It is a very awkward conversation to have with people and you know, it's a balance. You got to balance when you are crossing a line because we're talking about personal things here.
1: Right. Um, Which is why people get
2: feelings and that always makes people creepy. Right. Yeah.
1: And then there's the issue, especially for California employers, you know, we're very concerned about getting too much information and what that could lead to and all that. Not that I think you got to have those conversations. I'm with you. You got to have it. There's easy ways to do it. So let's talk about that. So, Leaders who witness these kind of red flag behaviors that you talked about, uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the most effective way to address it? Sure. I'm sure that's um, not a short answer, but I just, you know. Well,
2: right. So so without going into, you know, eight hours of grief leadership, training, right. <laughs> um, we would offer up these things, right? So so first and foremost, the leader has to himself or herself be willing to be vulnerable right if if the leader's not willing to be vulnerable their people will never be vulnerable either part of that vulnerability is actually engaging being willing to to cast aside your fears and actually engage in the conversation right not about the performance you can certainly talk about what you're observing but typically couched in in a fashion of help me understand what's going on because I'm witnessing these things Mm -hmm. and that's not, that doesn't seem to be you. Right. So tell me what's going on. Your job's not in jeopardy. I'm just really concerned about you. Help me understand. Is there anything going on in your life, either here at work or outside because the organization wants to help. And then when you have that conversation, right, you have to, you have to listen more than you talk but you have to be willing to adjust your leadership style after you've had the conversation. It doesn't do any good to have that conversation and then end it with, well, just suck it up because, you know, you got to get better, right? Or hey, right. you're going to learn from this. Life will be life is going to get better. I know it's a tough time right now, right? But but hey, you're going to come to some glorious learning point in the future that's going to change who you are as a person. You'll be better for this. If that's where you go with this, it's all wasted, right? So You have to be willing to adjust your leadership style and actually think about how could you support this person as an organization and as a leader. And then the last one, which people are very, very afraid of, and it aggravates me to no end uh, because it's just an excuse, is involve the rest of the team. The rest of the team wants to help but doesn't know how right? Now you don't have to go back and say, well, let me tell you what, boy, you wouldn't believe. Let's get a cup of coffee because we're going to talk about all the crap that's going on in (laughs) Teresa's life, right?
1: Because that's going to
2: get you in trouble. That'll get you in trouble, right? But to come back to the team and say, hey, look, Teresa's going through some pretty difficult things right now, and we need to help her through this. And so here's how I want to adjust the behavior of the organization, right? I need you to take on more of Teresa's responsibility. We need to be cognizant that Teresa may call in sick at the spur of the moment because of some of the things she's dealing with because she needs time off. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to have to gather up our, we're going to have to muster up the resources to support her for a period of time. Those are all fine conversations. I haven't violated any HIPAA rules by having that conversation. And the team will be like, oh, my God, you know, we knew something was going on. Thank God we'll be able to help her. Sure, I'll go to that meeting for her or I'll take that project or I'll be whatever. The team wants to help. They just need to be led and, and shown how and they will, every time I have seen that play out, trust, loyalty, engagement, productivity, all go up. Not only with the person, but with the entire team because they realize that the leader, whether the organization does or not, at least their leader cares about who they are as a person.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, in California, we're heavily legislated and when it comes to, you know, employee interaction and a lot of those things that you're talking about, a lot of that's kind of legislated, you know, in California with regard to, you know, if you have that conversation, if you notice those behaviors and you have that conversation with the employee that says, so I, I, I'm noticing this performance issue. Like you said, it's not really you. So what do you need and how can we provide it? And even in that way, you know, you're know, you maintaining, you're not asking for the, de- I don't want the details, I don't need right. to know the details, because all I want to do is help you through whatever it is you're going through right. and how can we do that? So engaging in this interactive process to find out, is there, what you had said, like a reasonable accommodation? Is do you need a reduced schedule? Are you going to need intermittent leave at some point? We're going to we're going to accept that. We're right. going to take a few things off your plate. Um, we're going to help you out a little bit. Right. So all those things are are you know are an effective way to comply with the law here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and also do what you're saying. You know, show the team because you don't have to. You can maintain confidentiality. You know, in in right. that regard, to say. Because it's, it's, you know, for California, there's a lot of labor code issues about keeping medical information confidential in an employee in employment situation. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so you can do that kind of the way you're talking about. You don't need to go to the team and say, this is going on, this is what's happening. You say, this is what we're going to do. Right. And we're pulling together as a team, and this is what we're going to do for the right. time, you know, for the, for the time being. So, yeah, I think I, that's really awesome. I think that's really great. I like the concept flows with all what I like, California law, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> Not treating people with consideration, respect, honesty. I think it's I think it's great. I love how all those things go together. So in our last few minutes to wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or some tips for our listeners um, to assist them in meeting sort of this unique leadership challenge?
2: So, yeah, I'll leave you with, it's really not a story, but, but I'll leave you with um, a couple of things. Number one, um, certainly we have lots of content out on our website, and so folks can go there and choose articles to read and videos to watch and those kinds of things. But I want to leave you with this thought, and it's actually referenced in the, in the final pages of our book. Uh, I had the privilege of hearing a uh, gentleman by the name of Colonel Arthur Athens speak, on a, on two occasions, and he's a he's a retired uh, Marine Colonel, and he teaches leadership training at the U.S. Naval Academy, right? And he talks about the three C's of leadership, and those three C's are competence, courage, and compassion. And he says that um, those three the, those three traits are something everybody in the organization, those above you and those below you, are looking to you to answer three questions around those traits. Competence, is the leader competent in what they're doing or are they working really hard to get better at it or to learn their job? Courage, does the leader have the courage to do what's right even if there is some negative consequences that would flow back to them, right? and, courage or and comp- uh, compassion and the question there is does the leader care as much about me as they do themselves and those three things just really resonated with me when i heard him speak and i would challenge everyone who's listening or is that how you're leading right do you have the courage to do what's right even if there's some negative consequences to you personally and do you have the compassion to Care as much about your people as you do yourself. So I would I would recommend that folks go out and search Colonel Arthur Athens, and he's got a video out uh, on YouTube that is called "What Does Love Have to Do with It?" What's love got to do with it? And it's actually a capstone talk that he gave to a leadership class, a uh, graduating class at the U.S. Naval Academy. It's well worth the time to to watch that video. So. That's what I would leave with because that's really what we try to teach at Grief Leaders is within the realm of this topic, head of leaders act with competence, courage, and compassion?
1: That's great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. That's our show, everyone. We so appreciate you being on and sharing your expertise with our listeners. Thank you so much, Anthony.
2: Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: You can learn more about Anthony by visiting Grief Leaders' website at www.griefleaders.com. That's G-R-I-E-F-L-E-A-D-E-R-S.com. You can also connect with Anthony via our website at sapphirelegal.com podcast. I want to thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Knave at night, our workplace team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Until next time, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Keep raising the bar.